Welcome to another edition of our podcast, Two Guys and an Opinion. My name is Richard. And my name is Vlad. It's the 28th of January, 2021. And interesting fact about today, I um, don't know when you're listening to this, but it is International Data Privacy Day, Vlad. Who knew we had to be good on one day of the year? Well, I didn't know. I still don't <laughs> know what that means. I mean... Be good. Be good this be good today at least. And then you can continue to sell everybody's per- personal data. Yeah, for the rest of the year. Yeah. We'll see how we go. Um so uh, this week on the podcast, uh, a couple of things to cover, I think. Um some interesting, some even more interesting. Uh where should we start, Vlad? With the with the with the botnet takedown. That's always a fun quite that's always a fun subject, isn't it? That that is a fun subject, and I think I think that was that was interesting. But what I I wanted to cover two things this week, if that's okay with you, Richard. Hit it. Uh, the first one I, I found actually even more interesting because it it's kind of we, we touched a little bit uh, on ransomware in our last podcast, and we talked about you know we always 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 advise do not pay for never uh, ransomware, never pay, never pay. And this week we find out that insurance <laughs> companies have been paying ransomware. Yeah. Thanks for undoing all the good advice, all the good work that we've been telling people and the rest of the industry for the last two decades. Yeah, Thanks. I'm not sure what to make of that. I really don't because that's just going to make that is just going to make things worse. What was interesting about some of the uh, recent ransomware attacks is that they now the 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 attackers are now combining uh, two different types of attacks. So they're combining ransomware together with a denial of service. Hmm. So what they're doing is they they they. Uh, Opening Gambit, uh, ransomware, um, and then as long as you are refusing to pay, they then unleash a denial of service, which is kind of linked nicely to those botnets being taken offline and <laughs> yeah. and being disrupted a little bit. Not that, that we're not going to see any more of that, but uh, I think it is interesting. I think it, it, you know we in the industry do need to uh, kind of rethink what all this means because if insurance companies are going to start paying ransomware uh you know it well, won't be too long before others do yeah well let's think about why why are they paying the rent why are they paying it they're paying it because the the victim organization um that's the last resort if the victim organization had um a kind of a, i guess yeah a ransomware uh plan action plan or would well if they were ready for ransomware if, if they were properly ready for ransomware um they had backups that were um you, you know sufficiently um i guess what's the word air gapped from the main network so that the encryption or, or that the kind of the hackers couldn't find the backups and encrypt them as well because that's another tactic so if the company was sufficiently ready for a ransomware attack uh, at large scale, then they wouldn't need to go to the insurers and say, hey, you know, we're screwed. We've lost everything. Please, can you pay these guys and get the key back? So that's a, couple- that's another angle, I guess. You know, it's a really good angle. So, so, so a couple of things. So, you know, we've seen a number of times where, you know, the backups are only as good as, as, as the, rest- you know, being able to restore. And that's yeah. not often uh, done in, in, uh, in exercises. Also, there should be a response to a ransomware attack, like any other uh, planning. Uh, possibly, they would. They simply sat down and said, "Right, let's do a cost-benefit analysis here. What is it going to cost us to pay versus, you know, versus what is it going to cost us to try and restore? Maybe find, you know, disruption of service. Yeah, I I rather pay quickly, get this over and done with, and come back online and continue, you know, with business as usual, right?" 
Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, which is which is a shocker. So yeah, I mean, I guess what we could also say this week, what we've been doing this week, uh, we have been on a training course all this week, uh, which is quite interesting for anyone that is interested in these kind of things. But yeah, it's called the Certified Ethical Hacker, and our trainer, he's a he's a he's an interesting, he's a funny guy. But he told us of a story where. Um, friend of a friend or a family friend or whatever had a small, uh, what were they? They were a production company. They got hit by ransomware and they did a cost analysis about whether they should pay for the, uh, uh, yeah, whether they should pay the ransom or not. And they actually got to the point where I think they asked for 10,000 euros and they, and they worked out that it would be cheaper, um, for them to, for the guy to, to basically shut his company down and restart up again rather than paying for the, uh, ransomware. Um, which we, which was interesting, which sparked a thought um, in your sneaky mind, didn't it, Vlad? It did spark a thought, but we're not gonna we're not gonna cover that this this week. I think we're gonna leave that thought for for another podcast. But I, I think I think it's 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 definitely food for thought. Yeah, definitely food for thought. I mean, the other thing I really wanted to talk about this week, which I think you know, coming up to the end of the month, uh, it, this is our first proper month. Uh, uh, understanding all the consequences of Brexit, mm. uh, and this is a this is a subject that you are you know uh, definitely uh, uh, you know closer to than I am. But I want to talk about it. Is 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 the impact of of GDPR and changes to GDPR that are happening as as Britain has now left the European Union? Yeah, fun, 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 well, fun. Here, here, first thing <laughs> I have to admit to to whoever is listening <laughs> that I did not realize is that there is going to be a change or there's going to be a differentiation in the GDPR law itself, right? Yeah. Uh, my my starting assumption uh, was that, you know, at the point of what I'm calling the schism. Uh, <laughs> I, at, I don't even the, know what that means. What's the schism? Uh, yeah. At, at the point <laughs> of, of, of United, it's, it's the schism of the, of the Catholic and the Orthodox Church. But cool. At, at, cool. Um, at the... Um, at at the schism now that now that we've clarified what that is uh-huh. at the at the point of schism i just assume that we're going to continue to have this same law at the point in time until a point in time where one or the other decides to make a change and therefore yeah. either one or the other party could, can adopt the change or start to diverge well yeah it was kind of a i mean they they never they never kind of they the big they um the 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 people in charge of brexit never really thought about um you know it's about time we had yet another um set of gdpr laws it just it kind of happened because it had to so so yeah so so brexit happened uh on the 31st of january uh last year so 2020 um at that point there just because of the nature of it there there had to be um there, there there had to be a uh a kind of a uh, yeah a, a duplicate of GDPR um, created um, because yeah for the for that rest of that transition period obviously lots of things were being sorted out um, until the end of last year but they um uh, yeah on the thirty first of January or first of February uh, last year um, little little known to most people um, there was a UK version of the GDPR was was brought into um, was brought into being. Um, and again, just to make matters more <laughs> worse um, and more confusing for us uh, as data protection and governance uh, guys last year. So the the EU GDPR, as, as it was then called at that point in time, and the UK GDPR uh, both came into uh, force. Um, so you, you so we so for the for the for the eleven months of um, of last year, um, we were subject to the UK GDPR and the EU GDPR, which again was which which again, if you have data subjects in the EU, and uh, and you and you uh, control 
their public, uh, sorry, their personal information, their PII, um, then you're still subject to the EU uh, GDPR. But you're also subject to the UK GDPR, GDPR if you have UK data subjects. I got to stop you there for a second. Oh man, it's so confusing. Not not only that it's confusing, but I, we, we should have asked our listeners at this point to use our podcast as a drinking game. <laughs> every, every, every time we say GDPR, people just go for a shot. Take a shot. Whatever. Take, take two fingers. Shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> uh, any anyhow. So uh, yeah, so there was there was the, there was there was two two GDPRs in force. Um, and if you're really if you're really suffering from uh, insomnia. Um, there is a an unofficial uh, inverted commas an unofficial document called the Keeling, uh, the Keeling. That's K with a K for kangaroo. Uh, the Keeling document, which basically describes the differences. Now, and, and I'll say that we kind of we the, the, it had to happen because um, a lot of the terminology in the EU GDPR obviously referred to the European Union when it talked about um, different rules. So most of the differences. Um, they basically did a copy and paste uh, and then a search and replace um, for the UK GDPR, which basically wherever it said union, they changed it to the you know, United Kingdom. Um, that was me being rather flippant. There were, there were some other changes, but mainly it was they had to change the wording to, so, to stop saying European Union, start saying um, you know the United Kingdom. But it is about 95% the same, um, but, there's now, but there's now two of them. Um, yeah. Added to that, uh, we were hoping by the end of the year for, you know, in, in step with uh, the Brexit negotiations, we were hoping to have what's called a finding of uh, of adequacy issued to us um, by the European Council. Um, and what they mean by finding of adequacy is, and, and we've done it the other way around. So, what, yeah, where does this all come from without making it too dull and, and, and this podcast taking the next year? What what it what we're basically saying is, um, do are we in the UK are we happy with the European Union's laws when it comes to the handling of personal data? Now we when we were all part of the EU, uh, that was a given because and that was basically what GDPR was all about. We're all going to handle um, you know all of our other uh, comrades. Uh, can, probably shouldn't say comrades. Um, <laughs> uh, European colleagues. Uh, I'm personal okay with information. comrades. You can you can go with comrades. Uh, yeah, are we going to treat it? Are we going to treat that information in the way in uh, you know in a safe manner that we're all happy with? So yes, was the answer because we were all part of the EU and GDPR was EU wide. Now that we're not part of the EU, um, we we can we in the UK uh, uh, the UK government have said you know we're still happy with um, the European GDPR. We are still happy with the way that you you deal with our uh, UK citizens' data. We're happy with that. However, the reverse is not true. The EU have not said. That they that they are happy with how the UK deals with EU citizens uh, PII. This is what's called a finding of adequacy. They haven't found our our laws, even though they're the same, ninety eight percent the same as the EU GDPR, because we've just adopted exactly the same uh, EU GDPR into the UK GDPR. They're basically kind of yeah, they're playing games basically. Well, the reason I brought that up is is you know if if I was if I'm an organization that has been you know, for the last three or four years working on a data center reconciliation uh, project and I'm moving data across and I wanted to just go into a single data center somewhere in, in, in Europe. And I decided because I'm spread across uh, across Europe with my business, I'm going to make that in, in Amsterdam or yeah. the other way around. I've actually set up a data center in the UK for all of my uh, European uh, satellite offices. What does that mean for me now? I mean, do I need to start thinking about <clears throat> changing again? 
It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a headache. So it, the, the long and short of it is, is that we were hoping by the end of um, the, the Brexit or by the end of the transition period that we would, uh, that the EU would come up with this uh, adequacy of finding for our data protection laws. And they didn't. They probably had other things to think about, you know, who can fish where and who, and all that kind of stuff. So what they did do uh, in true kind of uh, 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 style, uh, they kicked, they kicked the problem down the road. So they basically gave us a four month extension um, to basically carry on as, as carry on as we were. Uh, working under this kind of dual um, EU GDPR, UK GDPR uh, mashup, um, um, and uh, again, I don't want, we won't go into too much detail because it's kind of boring. But there's these there's this kind of backstop of um, um, what's called the standard contractual clauses or model clauses, um, which we had to adopt um, for international. Uh, yeah, uh, basically. Uh, if, let me let me take a step back. If you don't have any adequacy finding, you are what's known as a third country. So we're kind of a pseudo third country at the moment, as far as the EU is concerned. Um, and to cover uh, to cover the transfer of personal data from um, within the EU to these third countries, there are these things called standard uh, uh, model clauses or standard contractual clauses. So we're relying on those at the moment in in data sharing agreements, and it's a me- it's a mess. Um, basically, if we don't find, if they don't uh, in the next four months with a, and there's this two month extension as well on top of that, that they've talked about. So basically, in the next six months or five months from now, if the EU still don't think that we are treating uh, or have the ability to treat data uh, in in the correct manner, um, then we will be this third country, and then this kind of it'll at least we'll know where we are. It'll be cemented that we have to rely on these SECs or something else that'll come in. If they do find us. Um, adequate our data laws are adequate um then it's it's kind of back to where we were pre-brexit which is you know data flows um of pii are are absolutely fine between our uh our land and between the eu world fun 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 so 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 as exciting as all that sounds i mean (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I find that exciting mainly because I was actually taking shots as you were saying GDPR. <laughs> uh, but what, what I what, what I think needs to happen here is is I I I am I'm not sure that organizations are actually looking at this. They're they're no. hoping that somehow this is just going to go away. There's going to be disagreement, and and everything is going to be fine. So. You know, at best, I can see organizations somewhere maybe putting this in the risk register that, you know, we, we will look at it in, in case mm. it does happen, right? But, you know, if, if, if we are treated as, as a third country, you know, a lot of organizations have gone into Office 365. It's been very popular over, over the last, you know, few years. Yeah. You know, people massively. need to start looking. Yeah, massively, right? So, so organizations need to start looking at this. What does this mean for? for, oh, it's, a, for my yeah, data, right? it's a massive kind of. Uh, by the way, sorry. Here's another. Here's another. Here's another absolute shock. <laughs> um, whilst I was kind of reviewing everything that that happened um, at the uh, at the t- at the turn of the year, um, the ICO. Um, so this is the Information Commissioner's Office, the people that are responsible for. Um, yeah, pe- uh, people that are uh, kind of the. Uh, the, the guardians of our data privacy uh, laws and subjects and that kind of thing, um, they snuck in a little paragraph um, that, again, I think hardly anyone's ever seen, but they're now saying that you, that as an organization, again, if you're dealing with any uh, any data of any of any subject um, in the EU, you need to be able to, uh, at, in the future, you need to be able to identify data that you captured pre uh the end of the Brexit and post the end of the Brexit, you need to, be able to identify when you when you capture this information on people, and they're calling it um, legacy. Uh, what are they calling it? Yeah, le- legacy GDPR data, 
or the frozen data. I can't remember exactly what it is now because it's anyway. But you know, in in the in the space of a one paragraph, they've created another massive headache for people, and most people don't know that there is this, and it's a stipulation. You know, you must be able to identify the data that you captured on EU subjects pre the end of 2020. It's a nightmare. Anyway, as is the, as is the Microsoft um, scenario as well. So I don't have the answer, uh, Vlad, sadly. I wish I did. No, but, I, I didn't expect. I didn't expect that they were going to sit here and give everybody the answer. <laughs> no, no, no. What but in, I'm but hoping in, to do yeah. is, is get people thinking at least, you know. Yes. I, you know, yeah, and so in, what, and what are we going to do? Yeah, and I mean, I guess in, in the in the in the spirit of the naming of the podcast, our opinion on this, <laughs> our opinion on this is that so many, you know, everybody is in the everybody's in the same boat. There's so much, uh, there's so much kind of con- confusion about what to do, and um, that uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of watch this space. The ICA is not going to come down hard on people. Um, the EU, I don't think they again. They've got kind of bigger problems at the moment. Um, what with the pandemic ongoing? Um, is that another shot we mentioned? Pandemic. Well, funny you should say. Actually, wait. Funny you should say that because, <laughs> yes. I, I, as as if you set it up for me. Um, <laughs> funny you should say that because the 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 uh, at least in the EU, the GDPR fines are on the rise, mm. which is something that I always thought. You know, well, you know, everybody was really focused when GDPR was announced and made sure that everything was in 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 play before it came into effect in 2018, and then it kind of just. Fizzle, right? Fizzled. fizzled, fizzled. Thank you. Um, mm. It kind of fizzled, right? It, yeah. it didn't. It didn't. It didn't uh, live up to the the potential that GDPR was going to be, and everybody was going to be fined. But in 2020, of all years, mm. um, the 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 you know there, there's a, there's a significant rise on GDPR fines within EU. So I don't think that this is something that we should just kind of forget about. I no, think no. we actively need to start looking yeah. at what does this mean for our architecture, for our data. I mean, we, we joked in the last podcast about before we start corners, let's build a corner. <laughs> the number of organizations that I go to that, um, you know, talking about security, then realizing that we haven't done the basics, which is data identification and data classification. Classification, be- yeah. To even begin having this conversation, yeah, it's just you know, don't worry about it. I'm just going to roll out Office 365 data somewhere in the cloud, you know, which was okay, mm. as you know, because it was as long as my data is somewhere within the EU, that's fine. But now, I got to worry whether you know, did which, I, you know, which data center is it in? Yeah, which data center is it in EU? Uh, can I can I make sure that I can classify that data and know exactly this data has been captured prior to 2020? Um, versus you know what do i need to do right now can i just continue <laughs> it's it's just something that i thought you know whoever's listening to the podcast if anything just to get them either drinking or thinking about it <laughs> drinking or thinking i like it no it's very good i feel like we spent far t- too much time on gdpr what else do we want to talk about uh, this week uh in the uh, in the podcast well, th- those were the two main kind of areas for me. I think, you know, we touched on ransomware last week and, and you know, flipping back to the first first point, you mm. know, I, I really, I, I was uh, I, I kind of unprepared for that, to be honest. I did not expect that insurance companies, but, you know, yeah. trust the insurance companies to do that. But, you know, y- you can see that okay, I'm, I'm picking up, I'm picking on insurance companies because, you know, that was the article. That's what we heard about. I am kind of convinced that, that you will find organizations thinking, you know, that's all very well that, that the security people are telling us don't pay for uh, for ransomware, where the reality is 
we're a business, we're going to do whatever is the most cost-effective way from, to make this problem go away, mm. even though that we are, by doing this, we are actually going to encourage the next attack and we're going to encourage people to keep coming, right? Yeah. Because once you pay for ransomware, effectively what you're saying is, as long as I keep the... As long as I keep the ransom fairly low within mm. the you know ten thousand, five thousand, seven thousand mark, I'm going to get paid. Yeah, literally, I will just create a ransomware attack yeah. monthly and make sure I get something between five and seven. I think that will that will keep my you keep know, it under the lifestyle. Radar. Yeah. yeah, keep my lifestyle to that. You know, kind of. <laughs> I, I think I'll be okay with that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, crazy. And, and I get. I guess since you touched on it, what occurred to me based on the based on the uh, example you gave, mm. which was. Um, the uh, production company in the Netherlands that, that said, you know, uh, we're better off. We're better off just, just you know, um, shutting it down. Up. Yeah, Sh- shut the, shut the company, you know, and then just regroup under a different yeah, name, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, that, he, remember, he said all, all the all the files, all the kind of the, um, yeah, all the, yeah, all, the, the, all, the, the all the work had already been delivered to all the clients. There was nothing that was un, undelivered to a client. They were, you know, you know, bl- blow it up, start again. You know, off you go, ransomware guys. Sorry. Right. And and so in my mind, being being who I am, I guess, <laughs> automatically I just thought, well, here's an angle, you know. <laughs> I just, I literally, you know, um, create a ransomware, attack my own organization, my own company, mm. uh, and then extract the money out of my company using using ransomware as an excuse. Extract that into using you know money out uh, in in Bitcoin and just call it a day. I don't have to pay tax. I just you know, I've got yeah. nothing. I've just avoid all bankers. avoid all corporation tax and etc. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I think I think we're going into a very dangerous direction here. Yeah. And 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 we need to as and when I say we, I don't mean you know you and I and whoever is listening drinking at this point. <laughs> I'm actually thinking you know the 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 whole uh, industry needs to rethink uh, the the both from a protection perspective, you know. The, the the end-to-end response, which is, you know, do I have a response from ransomware? Hmm. What do I do in case I do get compromised? What can I do to stop the compromise or minimize the potential compromise? And then how do I respond avoiding simply, you know, paying because that seems to be the most cost-effective way? Yeah, I think – well, yeah, exactly. I mean, here we are in 2021 and we're, we're still talking – we're still talking about, you know, people paying ransom – uh for 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 ransomware attacks it's it's yeah i mean it's crazy it's ridiculous but yeah yeah we need to get on top of it um and yeah there's no there's no doubt about that um but anyway we'll uh, i think we'll touch a bit more on that on the uh, on on the next episode and uh, and i guess with that in mind we are we're kind of coming uh, coming to the to a natural end so I guess, uh, yeah, thanks for staying with us. If you've been listening uh, all the way through, uh, as always, leave us some uh, leave us some comments um, and feedback. We're always happy to hear it. Um, but for now, I think it's goodbye from me. Uh, and just before I say goodbye, I think <laughs> yeah. uh, it, we, we may have started something new here. We're going to choose a word uh, that you can drink to. So if you <laughs> do find word. a trigger word, but a drinking word. So you know, yeah. if anything, our podcast can be used as drinking games. Thank you very much for listening and hope uh, you'll come back. Speak to you next time. Bye now.